0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to HubShot's episode 87. We talk about understanding first touch versus last touch attribution, and we look at sales priorities in the new State of Inbound 2017 report. This is the podcast for marketing managers and sales professionals who are using HubSpot or are considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well. Now, uh, Inbound Thought of the Week. So, Inbound 2017 is heating up and is coming up. So, it's in September. I'm actually really surprised how quickly September is coming around at the rate that you're traveling. flying by. What idea have you got, Craig?
1: Well, you know, Inbound is going to be really good. And uh, we're not going to really chat about the speakers that are going to be there. But, gee, it's an exciting lineup and potentially controversial, I'll say. Yes. So, check that out, uh, inbound.com. But you know what? Remember um, the TEDx conference? In Sydney. Well, it's. Sorry. It's all around the, the TED way. conference yes. and then the TEDx yes. localised conferences. I reckon Inbound should do a similar thing because they should have Inbound as the big conference, but they should have like Inbound X Sydney or Inbound X Brisbane yes. so that, you know, we can have like these one day kind of inbound experiences throughout could, the world. We could
0: split it up like they split up the state of Inbound report. We could
1: <laughs> something like that. Inbound X, which, by the way, I checked the domain. Someone's
0: registered that. Yeah, that's right. All right, so this is a great segue into it. We're going to talk about sales priorities from the state of Inbound 2017. And what was really interesting, for sales professionals, closing more deals occupies the majority of their focus, which should be, should be the right place. As it should, this yes. was followed by improving efficiency of the sales funnel as a priority. Optimizing the sales process requires addressing organizational complexity and adapting to new buying habits, which require major shifts for any business social selling, another modern sales strategy comes in as the third most important priority. Now, why I wanted to highlight this is because closing more deals is obviously key. So when we looked at it on an overall priority, 79% people said closing more deals was was the key. Improving efficiency of the sales funnel, 44%, which I thought was rather interesting because I didn't think that... um, sales looked at improving the sales funnel, they probably were looking at improving their own processes. Social selling was next on the list, followed by training the sales team, which again was really interesting. And after that was reducing the length of the sales cycle. And all the way down the bottom was investing in a CRM, which I find really interesting because a large number of people, of organizations don't actually use a CRM. And that is why HubSpot has a free CRM. And I even bumped into people today that run businesses that were operating off Excel spreadsheets, which really surprised me and wanted to build their own CRM when you've got such great tools out there to do this. So my takeaway from this is if you want to close more deals and be more efficient, here's the tip. Use the free CRM and the HubSpot app on your phone to allow you to close more deals and track what's going on. Yeah, look, I
1: think this is right. The, the interesting thing for me about this was that closing more deals was kind of like an option. I kind of would have thought, well, that's a given, right? And if that's you look, exactly right. If you look at the responses, you're almost like saying, well, take out closing more deals because that's, yeah, of,
0: that's of a course. Given. Of that's course. a given, right? You know,
1: I wonder who didn't mark that. You know, <laughs> what's, what's one of your priorities? Oh, close less deals. You know, we've had far too many in the last couple of years. No, so take that out, right? And then out of the other ones, they're all around process and efficiency and those kinds of things. And oh, I totally agree with you when you're saying, well, having a CRM that actually takes the friction out, as you said, fo- put the focus back onto actually doing the work, closing the deals. And um, things like training the sales team um, and reducing the sales cycle, they're key pieces that yeah. you kind of, you know. So
0: now, Craig, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on a bit about this. Yeah, go for it. I showed you the video of me going with one of my friends to collect... A rather nice car. Oh, yes. Um, And what was interesting, as I showed you the videos, we were kind of looking back and laughing. But I think what has happened, like, in the delivery of this very nice luxury car, I think the salesperson forgot that the buyer who ordered this car probably knows a lot about the car. Like, even going down to the level of how do I move the vents and how to set the cruise control, even when this person actually... Owned this brand of car, has owned two brands of this car before, really understanding who the person was and making him sit there for almost two hours explaining stuff about the car where he was like, Look, just pair my phone and I want to get out of here. I, I, <laughs> I was like,
1: flabbergasted. I could not believe it. Like that talk about destroying the buyer experience, coming to pick up a new car, no matter whether it's a luxury car or whatever, you know, you say, saying, oh, It's a new car, it's exciting. The guy just ruined it. For it's, like, it's like, I don't want
0: the car anymore. So come with this as the baggage. But, but this is interesting, isn't it? And I think I went along being a car enthusiast, but you know what? I was really shocked at the experience considering I probably knew more about the car and so did my friend who was buying the car than the guy in the showroom, which I guess is not unusual, but then which would beg me to say, well, look, if this is the experience... And now I'm going to hand this product over to you. I would have probably gone, well, hey, Craig, what would you like to know about before you drive out of here? I would have thought that would have been far more enticing than going, oh, well, if you press this button, you'll activate the cruise control. Oh, do you love how that feels, Craig? I couldn't believe he was explaining how
1: to use the vents, like the vents for the air conditioner. <laughs> I couldn't believe, like, really? I was... You're getting punked there. <laughs>
0: anyway, enough of my On Onto our marketing tip of the week, Craig. Understanding first touch versus last touch attribution.
1: All right. So this, um, just brace yourself, this might get a bit geeky and nerdy, but uh, I think it's really important to understand for marketing managers this idea of where you actually apportion what the channel was that drove a lead or or a sale.
0: Okay. So let me ask you the question. Most people would have, if they're more advanced analytics, would have seen this in analytics. What attribution does analytics, Google Analytics use?
1: Okay, you can basically say it's last touch. Okay. Okay, it's actually a bit more complex. It's last touch with direct kind of try. They try to rule out direct and a portion. But but assume it's last touch. And I'll just explain what last touch versus. And what's HubSpot? HubSpot is first touch. Right. So I'll explain the difference. Let's say someone uh, clicks on an AdWord and then they come through to your site. And then uh, they see you on social and they come back to your site and then they sign up as a contact. And then you send them an email and they turn into a customer. Let's say you've got an e-commerce store. Right, so AdWords, Facebook, email. So in last touch, Google Analytics, last touch would be the email drove the sale.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, that's
1: last touch. What actually drove the sale? The last time they were touched was the email. But HubSpot, which would be first touch, would say, "Oh no, AdWords, the AdWords, because yeah. that was the first touch." Yeah. I think this is really important to understand. The reason I raise it is because often you'll get people become customers, and you look in your HubSpot sources report, and yes. you see, "Oh, none of them came from email." Yeah. Oh, email's not working. That's because HubSpot is first touch. It's in fact email is almost never going to be a source exactly. of contacts or customers because, well. They actually had to be a contact (laughs) to get the email, right? And, of course, it's first touch. HubSpot's reporting on that first touch. So that's really what I just wanted to break down, first touch versus last touch. Now, it's incredibly important to understand this differentiation when you get to things like e-commerce and stores like that because often you're nurturing them through. Yeah. One thing leads to them being a contact. Something else might lead them to being actually converted into a paying customer. Yeah.
0: Now, Craig, I wanted to, I didn't I wasn't aware of this, but I want you to highlight that in between if you use HubSpot Professional and HubSpot Enterprise, there is a difference again in terms of this attribution reporting. Do you want to tell me what that is? Yeah. Okay. And so
1: it's worth mentioning that analytics can actually, you might have first touch and last touch, but you can actually get this idea of what assists along the way, this idea of assisted conversions. Yeah they also have these ideas of paths that people go through. And so uh, in shot three, we've kind of just got a screenshot there, say from analytics about how they look at top conversion paths, things that um, push you along. But then in HubSpot, HubSpot has attribution reports. Now you're quite right. In the pro version, you can get attribution based on kind of the content that referred them on but you actually can't really get attribution of the channels. For that, you need to go into the enterprise version. And so I've got two screenshots, one of each. So first what you get in pro, which is kind of this attribution and it might point to the pages or even subdomains that are driving through. Yeah. But then in enterprise, you can actually see the channels that are giving attribution to your contacts. This kind of what's assisting contacts Mm. through Really valuable. However, if you're saying, oh, I I must get enterprise to get this, I say, well, no, you can actually get a lot of that with analytics. And this is the key thing. There's no one tool that will really give you the full picture, especially in e-commerce. And that's why you should always have analytics and HubSpot in place.
0: All right, Craig, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is about creating contact views in CRM. Now, a really simple one to actually do here is to actually create a view where the HubSpot owner is unknown. And this is quite common. See contacts that don't have an owner and assign them an owner. So you can do this from a workflow. You can do it from the CRM view. Another really helpful one, which I set up for a customer this week was understanding the type of leads that were generated. And this, I did this in marketing free in the CRM. Uh, leads that got generated this week for a particular type of um, deal or I want to say a particular type of inquiry type that people use select when they inquire. So they could very easily look at their sales or what was coming in and go, okay, well, this week I've had this many inquiries about this type of um, sale or this kind of event. And it makes it really clear. So they know exactly what they're doing. They're not getting just a whole list of, oh, here are all the, leads that came through this week. They can actually break it down really simply and share that view with everyone. So you can create a view that's specific to your user or you can create a shared view that other people can access to.
1: Yeah, look, I think views are uh, are really uh, like an underused part. And in fact, one thing you can do to quickly check the maturity of a client is you go and you go, okay, show me your contacts. Now, just show me that views drop down. How many views have you got? And if they've got all views, my views and that one other. thats Call cool like, yeah, Or oh, call cool, cool views. Y- you know, okay, lots of opportunity to train that. When I see them drop down, they've got tons of different views <clears throat> and all categorised and yep. and some are shared and some are personal. I go, right, these people actually know how to use the CRM. So it's a good indicator there. Yep. And really that is the power. You just see these people creating views that give <clears throat> them spe- really specific, actionable yep. lists of their contacts.
0: Yeah, and even the thing like adding them to a call queue, so they've got that task list that they work through in the morning, can be really helpful. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. Okay. Take it away. I haven't
1: read this. This (laughs) is a blog post called The Hubris of Ignorance uh, by Stonekettle.com. Go and read it. And it's a long post, okay? It is well worth it. And the first two-thirds are political. It has a view on American politics. It's actually okay. He has a leaning very obviously one way. But that's OK, because you read it through the account he gives, which is really about this idea of falling into the trap of wanting simple answers and seeing looking for the simplistic view. And he looks at things like military engagements, because he's a retired Navy officer, right. many military engagements. And just this idea of, the, you know, the, the armchair um, commander, you know this idea we know the answers because it's so simple. And yet what he points out brilliantly is just how complex the world is and politics and war and all these things. Why am I mentioning this in a marketing podcast? Because when you get to the end, this changed my life, this post. I got to the end. It changed your life. It changed my life because I I thought I actually realised I fall into this trap all the time. And it's so, and it is a natural bias that we have. We want the simplistic answer. We want the narrative. You know, this idea of storytelling. Yes. We want the emotion because that triggers, you know, how we respond. And in marketing, it's so easy to fall into that trap. And we lose sight of the fact that people are complex organisms, right? With all these mixed desires and things. We just want the simple answer. Oh yeah, this audience. I give them this retargeting. Bam. The reason I really recommend it is because as marketers, we need to be really careful about not falling into these traps, not seeing causations when there's maybe coincidences and a bit of correlation. And we aim often to oversimplify solutions. We really need to stop that and understand our audiences better and then look at how we provide value to them. In, and that can be a complex thing, and it needs analysis. But we need to do it as marketers. We can't just cut corners and be simple. I'm preaching to myself. I realise here, yeah. but I hope that's what no, to yeah, listen. You should right. definitely, definitely read this post. Let me know what you think. Leave us a comment. So, in
0: the last episodes, we've talked about simplicity a few times, Craig. This has been on my mind. It's lately. been on your yeah. mind. All
1: right, onto our creative look. <laughs> oh, and let me qualify, uh, clarify. We should aim to simplify stuff.
0: Yes, Right. exactly. You,
1: and quite often I think Einstein actually said if you can't explain something to someone simply, then you don't understand it yourself. But the point being someone has actually absorbed the complexity and really understood it in order to impart that onto others rather than just taking some, you know, ignorant yes. position and passing <laughs> off their opinion as if it had what well, held, held weight.
0: All right. Onto our creative top ten of the week, Craig. This is my challenge to you how to promote a leading bike brand at a local dealership
1: all right talking about simplicity <laughs> so this is really hard so i'll, pr- I'll preface this i for know saying I because no- you don't ride a bike i like don't got a I bike do. i know nothing about bike riders
0: yeah well you know me i'm a bike rider i know you um, i probably not uh, this kind of bike rider. You're probably not
1: this bike rider. So you didn't tell me the actual dealer or brand or anything, no, I didn't. but I just took a punt and um, said, oh, well, I'll assume, you know, like Harley Davidson or a premium brand. Yep. And what Ducati. I did, or Ducati or yep. anything, yeah, something yep. premium. And so um, what I understood is you're trying to promote local awareness yep. of this dealership. So it's around the dealership, less, less kind of the brand, but it's around promoting the dealership. How do you, you know? So. When we talk about simplicity, number one is understanding your personas. So I took a punt. like, I, And again, listeners, this is not advice for this thing. This is about being creative, trying to think through. And so I found this really interesting. I thought, oh, well, it's either, you know, the biker types or it's older, wealthy guys. Yeah. You know, they kind of retire yeah. and go, oh, yeah, going to get me a Harley or whatever. I don't know. And
0: they're all accountants. It. And they're accountants. <laughs>
1: are, I don't know. I'm making this up. But here's the thing. Number two. I thought, where do they hang out? So I went to um, look for, you know, where the personas hang yes. out things like that. I went to Facebook Insights, yep. Audience Insights. Which is fantastic. I stuck it in. I looked at American and Australian audiences. And I, I actually chose Interested in Harley-Davidson as an example. You know what I found? The, the wealth of information you can find in, in, in Facebook. In Facebook Insights. And yeah. I know we've said this many times. Yeah. But even when I looked at this, I was surprised. You were blown away. <laughs> I was like, okay, we know predominantly... uh, an audience that's on Facebook, for example, they work in construction. (coughs) We know they're married, they own their own house in probably a lower socioeconomic (coughs) area. We also know that they predominantly use mobile, like through the roof, Yep. no desktop usage.
0: Yeah, which is really interesting.
1: They have pets, (coughs) probably a dog, right? So all of these (coughs) ideas started coming out. It's like, okay, well, we know we've got to target mobile. So this, you know, it's not going to be big desktop, you know, um, website um back you know one of those things they like cover the entire website behind you know those backstory things it's not going to be things like that what about co-partnering with non-competitive yeah. things like pet food like yeah. okay, i they've got a dog you know they've got their harley and they've got a yeah. dog and they're mobile so pet food pet related exposure Bike forums, and like these are the obvious one. bike forums and online groups, again, targeted by Persona, putting banner advertising on those. Yep. And really, the, the great thing about those forums is they've kind of built the brand, I'm assuming. I don't know any of these. Again, I'm just think, trying to think. Mm. But it's really about providing the dealer with exposure. So yep. the brand um, has done the work of building that emotion. Now it's really just, oh, where do you go? Where do you here's go? Here's the dealer, exactly. and here's where I go to this yep. dealer. And then the dealer will sell it. Well, the brand's probably sold it. I'm Correct, exactly. They. Okay, I thought here's a good example for guest posting on relevant sites. And so one of the other things Facebook Insights showed that they're quite often into getaways, country getaways. Yeah, because they're probably riding, riding their
0: bikes, right? And country they're going rides, places. things like that.
1: So if you're, if you're guest posting, you're not going to guest post on a bike blog. You're going to guest post on, say, a travel blog or things like that where you're talking about the experience of getting away here, you know, 10 tips for riding your bike to the country. And it's like this article provided by the local dealership, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Um, I also think you can extend that to like general PR and this idea of, you know, local magazines and local newspapers. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, stereotype, but these kinds of people, they're reading the local newspaper and it's probably not the Herald. It's probably not the Australian, but, you know, you can get that kind of advertising in there. I actually think things like local sport events because these people are into sport. That's, you know, they love their footy or whatever it is. Um, but building on some of those sports sausage sizzles, dog training schools, you know, they've got their dog. Um, tattoo shops, you know, that's probably stereotyping. Um, heavy tool suppliers. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Construction, it's yep. kind of like why don't you put a placement where that's that's supplied. Um, and then the other, the only other thing I was thinking is, Sometimes you start with start with them young, as they say. Yeah. And merchandising around bike brands and things like that might not be actually targeting the person that's in the market for bike yet. Yeah. But it's just um, exposing them more to the merchandise with that dealer, and then yeah, basically seeding the pipeline for years down the track. So there you go. There's. That's excellent. And great. I'll just say I know nothing about bikes, so take that all out with a grain of salt. There you go.
0: All right. On to our podcast of the week. And this is from Joe Polizzi's Content Inc. podcast, episode 187. Your content is probably not very good. Do you,
1: do you ever get this? You get kind of down. You're like, oh, man, I wish I could write better content. Yes. I don't have so that much much to. That does happen to me a finite bit. Finite resources. I wish we could do better. Well, good news. According to Joe, and all, founder of Content Marketing Institute, by the way, um, talking about well, actually, every customer that he talks to, that's their same kind of struggle. Yeah. Oh, it's not very good. I wish it could be better. He's like, "Yep, yeah, just get better,
0: incremental improvement, incremental. keep doing exactly. what you're doing, one percent every day." Craig. All right, our resource of the week. This is John Luma's overview of how he structures Facebook campaigns. Is a great piece of content. So I encourage you to use it and read it and go through it because it'll actually give you, especially if you're running. Facebook campaigns are really good insight into what things you can change to make it better.
1: thing I love about this is it really talks you through the funnel, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. Yeah. And Sue so Ellen and I, we're actually going through this um, for a client. where We were working through their Facebook strategy and we're kind of like, look, we've both been doing Facebook ads for well, years and it, like, we've done a lot of it. Yep. And yet we still, you know, we keep going back to John Loomer and stuff like this. Going, yeah, actually that's good. Let's incorporate that.
0: Yeah. And see what I love about this, he's broken today obviously into the campaign promotion. The next thing he really talks about is what's the objective, right? So at the top, he's got objective is traffic, right? Next objective, lead generation. Following that, it's reach, then conversions, then maybe reach again and then conversions again. And he's got this like 15 types of promotion that can take place. He's put budgets against it, what audiences he's targeting, what audiences he's excluding. Very important people. And I think this is really key. So it really gives you an insight. It's not about, hey, let's just boost this and see what happens. It's a very targeted, strategic way to actually do Facebook advertising.
1: It's really good. And it comes back to that attribution that we were talking about at the start. This is why you need analytics, because... When you go into some of these things, um, <laughs> let's say one of your goals is traffic. Exactly. You know, that might not be driving contacts, but at least you know, oh, ca- that campaign segment was top of the funnel, just driving traffic. We can that see that goal. in
0: analytics. Exactly.
1: Those campaigns are working, yeah, etc. On for contacts and then customers.
0: All right. And here's another little tip that I've picked up from John, and it's to do with adding Facebook tracking pixel. And what Pixel Caffeine have done is had a – Created a plugin that makes it really easy to add the tracking pixel and then create a whole bunch of actions out of that. And, it's, and I've actually used it on two customer sites after reading John's, um, one of his blog posts and it's been really helpful. So I'd encourage you if you haven't A, done that and B, if you've struggled doing that, this is a really quick way to get started and to get going and get the right information and data through and connect it to your Facebook account. Great tip. Yep, checking that out. All right, onto our quote of the week. And this is from Timothy Ferris from Tools of the Titans. It's a book that I am currently reading and Craig has read. And it says, Think of problems as gold mines. The world's biggest problems are the world's biggest business opportunities. Solving for pain. That's Take right. Take the pain away. Big opportunity. Excellent. We'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. Give us feedback via our Facebook and WhatsApp group. And if you'd like to join WhatsApp, please let us know. Fill out the form on our website and we will add you to the group. Until next time, Craig.
1: Catch you later, Anne. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.